Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. This is Community Update on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Good morning, I'm John Hoffman. A federal judge has denied an effort by eight Indiana University students to put the school's vaccine mandate on hold. The judge ruled Monday the students would not suffer irreparable harm under the requirement. After IU announced its vaccination policy this past spring, eight students sued the university, saying it violated their constitutional rights. They asked the judge for a preliminary injunction, but were denied. IU students will need to be fully vaccinated by August 15th to attend the university for the fall semester. A federal judge ruled this morning that the university's vaccine mandate will still apply even while legal challenges are underway. They've imposed this on the least vulnerable population in, in the whole population. The ruling came after both sides made arguments last week at the federal courthouse in South Bend. James Bob Jr., a well-known lawyer for conservative causes, represented the students and argued that the mandate violated their bodily integrity and religious freedom. He said the vaccine has not been tested enough for it to be required. There's unknowns about this. Uh, and uh, why would Indiana University, how could they be justified in imposing requiring vaccinations when we really fully don't know uh, the risks, consequences, and even benefits. Seven of the eight students he represents have been given either religious or medical exemptions from the policy, but are required to submit to extra testing and still have to wear masks. He argues that is still a violation, but the judge didn't buy it. IU celebrated their court victory today in a statement, a spokesperson saying, quote, a ruling from the federal court has affirmed Indiana University's COVID-19 vaccination plan designed for the health and well-being of our students, faculty and staff. We appreciate the quick and thorough ruling, which allows us to focus on our full and safe return. We look forward to welcoming everyone to our campuses for the fall semester. Bob sent out a statement of his own in which he said that the fight is not over. He said he plans to appeal the judge's decision and is confident the U.S. Court of Appeals will agree with him that the mandate needs to be put on hold. However, as of right now, students will have to be fully vaccinated for the fall semester. WSBT 22's Max Lewis reporting. It's crunch time for many schools in our area as they prepare to welcome students back to the classroom. And online learning will continue to be available in at least one local school district. South Bend school leaders say the offering is about giving families choice. South Bend's Assistant Superintendent of Academics, Brandon White, says even before the pandemic, the district saw a local trend where more families determined virtual learning was the best option. And as the pandemic progressed, it became even more evident that it would be a way to reach all learners. We believe as educators that still face-to-face instruction is the best way to educate children, but we also realize that sometimes that's just not the best option at that point for that child. Brandon White says last year the district's virtual school enrolled about 75 students. This year he expects that number to go up. But we are looking at, you know, less than 10% of our students returning back in a virtual setting, but we are um, planning and expecting for those numbers to increase. 
The K-12 virtual school will be supported by a physical location at the former Purley School. It will be used for state testing. School principal Mansour Aid has an office here, and he'll be available for parents and students. He says the virtual school will support students who have a hard time in an in-person school setting. There's a lot of anxiety in our society, and uh, a lot of students experiencing that feel comfortable in a virtual setting and therefore perform better. Like last year, K-8 students will continue to do work online through Admentum, which uses teachers across the country. But new this year, high school students will do remote work with South Bend Schools teachers, who during the day are teaching in-person students. They have schedules at their schools. They are picking up one extra class for virtual, and we will be using the Canvas uh, platform. White says if a student chooses to go virtual, that isn't set in stone for the entire school year if a family wants to change to in-person. There are situations with, which, which I understand would require someone to make a change, but this wouldn't be an in-out, in-out kind of situation. Enrollment for the virtual school is now open, and White says he'll be offering more information about the school at the school board meeting on Monday night. WSBT 22's Caroline Torrey reporting. Meanwhile, north of the state line, students will be heading back to classrooms and schools that could look a lot different from last year. While the pandemic is not over, several districts are relaxing some of their stricter safety measures. Last school year was one of the toughest on record for a lot of educators with the COVID-19 pandemic putting a lot of pressure on school districts. Luckily, things have changed pretty dramatically over the summer, and this school year could look almost normal. And it was draining just because it was just a constant um, decision-making, more so than before, and making decisions on things that you didn't have experience with. When Brandywine Community School Superintendent Karen Weimer looks back on the previous school year, she says it was one of the hardest things she's done. But this year, they know so much more than they did a year ago, and we now have effective vaccines, which led her to make the decision to not require teachers and students wear masks. If cases... Um, rise in our community, then we put more mitigation practices into place, such as distancing our students more, possibly masking if we get into the red zone where there is high transmission. Social distancing will still be in place in the same contact tracing and quarantining policies. But if students 12 and older can prove they're fully vaccinated, they will not have to quarantine. We still have to be cautious because it's not gone, we, but um, I think we can move towards more normalcy. Brandywine's reopening plan is very similar to what the Berrien County Health Department recommended for all county school districts, even with the Delta variant surging across the country and the American Academy of Pediatrics recommending masking, the health department is comfortable with their recommendations for now. But because children are typically not impacted significantly by COVID-19 and those transmission rates continue to remain low here in Berrien County, it's one of the mitigation strategies that the health department feels comfortable peeling off at this time as long as those rates remain low. Weimer wants parents to be patient with them as things could change if the spread of the disease changes. But as of right now, things are going to look mostly normal when kids head back to the classroom next month. WSBT 22's Max Lewis reporting. South Bend's Common Council wants to subpoena all of the disciplinary records for one of the city's newest hires. They want to see the records for themselves and they're focusing on background checks. 
These past suspensions first came to light from a South Bend Tribune article which used public records that were apparently not flagged by the city before he was hired. While many in the community have called on Josh Reynolds to resign, he's doubled down on staying put. So now the Common Council is trying to bring back trust in the board, which hasn't even been fully formed. We've seen a lot of finger pointing, a lot of blaming going on, but uh, I, I think somebody owning it and taking responsibility and stepping forward um, is going to have to happen. The clerk's office hired Reynolds for the job, but tonight Common Council talked about making clearer guidelines for future board members about what exactly should be done as a background check. Okay, and the council has to take on some responsibility for that, and as president, I'm going to take some res the responsibilities for that. We did make some missteps, but that's part of the process. Applications for nine more spots on the board are open and due Friday. Council members do have a say in picking them. Some council members suggested pausing appointments until there's more clarity. Others and some public commenters disagreed. This legislation was passed in October. You've already presented a timeline to the public. And some think they should amend the ordinance itself. The council does not have the power to remove Reynolds from his position. That's in the hands of the clerk, who's not allowed to talk at the meeting and declined to be interviewed tonight. Every council member was present tonight, but the discussion was simply a committee meeting. At the next regular council meeting, members will vote on a subpoena for those work records, which need a majority vote to pass. WSVT 22, Selena Guevara reporting. The city of South Bend is taking steps to try and provide more affordable housing options. A new development will take a creative approach to the problem. It probably doesn't look too cozy or homey right now, but soon these shipping containers will be reconfigured into actual homes. At ground level, they look like simple shipping containers, but Ella D'Amico and her team have a vision of what they can become. The mission of Container Art Community is to provide um, uh, housing for low-income families and not just any housing, sustainable and energy-efficient housing. Blueprints show the inside will have two bedrooms, a bathroom, and kitchen. Each one of these homes will have flooring, they will have drywall, they will have studs, electrical, plumbing, just like um, a, a traditional home. And the outside will have a full makeover, except that the doors will remain. Anybody can drive by and go, oh wow, that was made out of a shipping container, but the exterior will be painted and there will be um, some alternative siding um, so that, again, it looks more like a traditional home. To make them cost efficient for the families, they will also have solar panels. By using the shell of shipping containers, they already have the framework of a home and can weld up to six together. The idea of recycling things allows you to um, reuse materials and cut costs in a way without cutting corners. Four homes will be built along Hagen Street on empty lots. South Bend Councilman Henry Davis Jr. says he understands and likes the idea to tackle affordable housing issues. He supports the desire to revitalize unused lots as well, but wants to make sure there can be more built off the concept. The city of South Bend needs to invest in a comprehensive plan for the west side of South Bend and in making sure and ensuring that this investment is going to turn into future ideas and development for the families that live in this area. While the investment will be toward providing affordable homes, another goal will be to expose people to the building trades. High school students, young adults, a chance to come in and see a little bit of what the pipe fitters do, to see a little bit of what millwrights might do, to see what the electricians might do, see what the carpenters might do. So it kind of opens up a lot of avenues to let them see if the trades is a choice for them.
Construction of the first few homes are expected to start in early August. And depending on size as well as customization levels, they could cost as low as $50,000. WSBT 22's DJ Manu reporting. One of the largest makers of recreational vehicles just bought an up-and-coming local boat manufacturer. Winnebago Industries this week announced the acquisition of Bristol's Barletta Boats. Barletta Boats was founded in 2017 and is already the fastest growing company for pontoons across the U.S. and Canada. Now Barletta is helping grow business for Winnebago as more people start buying boats. But I knew I, if, if we needed to partner with somebody, I wanted to partner with the right kind of company. Winnebago and Barletta are partnering to not only stay afloat, but to expand together. I said it from the beginning, we weren't set up for, to sell the company. But I always said we weren't not for sale. Bill Fennick, the owner and founder of Barletta Boats, wanted a partner who took care of its customers, its employees, and its quality of work. And I have absolute confidence that, that is, they're that company. Winnebago is already showing promise for Barletta. The same way Barletta is also showing promise with its recent expansion. Growth that could also bring more jobs. This is exciting times for, for Barletta and uh, for Winnebago and the county, our employees. Both manufacturers are on board to take both the RV and boat industries to the next level. Winnebago Industries has been looking to invest in a meaningful presence in the marine segment that complements our legacy presence in our core business, that being recreational vehicles. Boats and RVs are becoming more popular, especially after a year of the pandemic. This announcement is just the next step in an evolution. The companies have ambition to go full speed ahead with their partnership. And both companies, Winnebago and Barletta Boats, hope to add to their business with customers, employees, and stockholders. WSBT 22's Taylor Gattoni reporting. Leaders in South Bend are hoping an event last weekend helped raise awareness of issues impacting the LGBTQ plus community. Local organizations held pride in the plaza downtown last Sunday. It is okay to be authentically yourself. You don't have to be ashamed of that. And there are people who are going to support you and love you no matter what. A splash of color in downtown South Bend as people came together to celebrate pride. I waited to come out of the closet until I was 26. And so today is about bravery. Events like this are about visibility, showing people that they're welcome, that there's more like you, and that we don't have to hide. Beyond a celebration, the event was also an opportunity to reflect, while providing a safe and family-friendly atmosphere for LGBTQIA residents. All the queer people that have come before us who have um, really paved the way for us to be able to be as visible and as diverse as we are now. I'm very thankful to live in a time where that's possible. And when we gather in these safe spaces, it's not to make somebody feel bad for being straight. It's not to blame somebody who is straight for the hate that we experience. It's simply to show that we are here and these problems need to be addressed. WSBT 22's Ronnie Das reporting. Views and opinions expressed are those of the individual speaking and do not necessarily reflect the views of WSBT Radio, its staff, or management. Join us next week for Community Update on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. 
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 